Unity of Farmington Hills, a powerful path for spiritual living. mountains and the sea your river runs with love for me and i will open up my heart and let the healer set me free i'm happy to be in the truth and i will daily lift my hands for i will always sing when your love comes down Farmington Hills and special greetings to our YouTube viewers. This is a lovely fall day. This is a day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. I'm Lois Jones. I'm the platform assistant today and I'll be sharing the announcement and special events with you. If you're a first-time visitor in person, a welcome packet is available from the usher as you leave the sanctuary. Join us after service in the social hall for great conversation and fellowship with one another. Also, our hospitality team has prepared some healthy refreshments and tasty treats for your enjoyment. Thank you, hospitality team. The ukulele group uh, meeting has been canceled for today. We will, it will be rescheduled. Join Critical Conversations on Zoom tomorrow evening, October 23rd at 7 p.m. to 8.30 p.m. These conversations help us to open our hearts and minds to one another for greater understanding, sharing, and caring. To join the conversation, click on the Zoom link in our on our website. It's trick-or-treat time. Nope, it's trunk-or-treat. Our trunk or treat will take place on Saturday, October the 28th at 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. in the parking lot. You can be a kid and dress up in your favorite costume, decorate your trunk, and bring lots and lots of candy and treats. Invite your family and friends to join in the fun. Our goal is 25 trunks. We only have 11, 
I checked the list, so we need 14 more. Over 300 children came for treats last year, so that's, it's possible that number could increase. A sign-up sheet is posted in the social hall for volunteer trunks, for other volunteer physicians, candy and treat donations, or we'll always take cash to purchase more candy. Our member, Carl Schluter, will present a two-session class titled Love Flow Direction. Part one is on next Sunday, October 29th, from 11.30 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. in the social hall, which will cover background from his book, T-U-S-O-L. Tusol. Thank you, Reverend Kelly. The Unseen Stuff of Life. Examine, he will examine the definition, characteristics, and symptoms of an outside-in love flow direction. This sounds confusing a little bit. This class will also be available on Zoom. A love donation is suggested. Part two will be presented on November the 12th. Help support the annual Children's Church Thanksgiving food drive beginning Sunday, October 29th through Wednesday, November 15th. Please donate cans of vegetables, potatoes, stuffing, other dry food, diapers, formulas, etc. Let's bless 50 or more families in need with meals for Thanksgiving. Our annual Veterans Appreciation Day is Sunday, November the 5th at 10 a.m. All veterans are invited as we honor and acknowledge you and your service to our country. Our own member, Steve Franz, will be our guest speaker. Steve is studying to become a Unity licensed teacher and is also an Army veteran. Thank you, Steve, for your, de <laughs> for your dedication and service to our country and to our church. The UFH Veterans Peer Support, Support Group will host a Veterans Chili Fellowship celebration on Veterans Day, November the 11th, from 12 p.m. to 3 p.m. Veterans and their families are invited to enjoy food, fellowship, raffles, prizes, and more. Eileen Lindbergh is our prayer chaplain today and will be available to pray with you after service near the patio doors. As usual, we ask that you please exit the sanctuary immediately after service to allow Eileen a quiet space. To stay abreast of our activities and upcoming events, please visit unityfh.com, check out our Facebook page, or read through the newsletter that's emailed every Friday. And now, as the music team sings, surely the presence, let us prepare for our new member ceremony. We extend our love and embrace our new members as they join our UFH family. Thank you. having a hot flash or my own personal summer. I think it's just hot in here. Woo! This is a song that says it's getting hot in here, but I'm not going to finish it. <laughs> I just wanted to make y'all laugh today. <laughs> Only some of y'all got it. <laughs> We're going to do our new members uh, ceremony right now. And um, so that's why we have this set up right here. 
And I'm not just going to um, acknowledge the new members. I want those of you who are joining with me and recommitting yourselves to the church to, to um, participate as well. So um, I'll, at the right time, I'll have those of you. And even if you are a new member and you did not participate in a new member ceremony, you can come down when I call the new members down. And those of you who want to recommit yourselves to the church, I'll ask you to stand. So we'll do, we'll do that. I'll let you know when. <clears throat> Okay, so let us go ahead and begin with prayer. So I invite you to gently close your eyes and take a deep breath. In your heart, radiate a sense of love and peace and openness. Knowing that the presence of God is right here with us. Almighty God, we are grateful that we live in your presence of love. We affirm your blessing over every aspect of today's service and everyone in attendance, physically and watching online. We humbly welcome our new members and acknowledge those who are renewing their commitment to our spiritual community. May we grow to become a more powerful expression and more powerful individualized expressions of love towards you, toward each other, and as a spiritual community as we live out our commitment to co-create a more loving and compassionate, spirit-filled world. We lift this prayer, Lord, in the name and nature of the mighty, mighty presence within, which is the Christ within. And we thank you, God, for your love that loves us no matter what, teaches us to love you and to love each other and the world. We radiate that love throughout this ceremony and the rest of this service. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. And so it is. Amen. So let us begin by acknowledging our commitment as Unity of Farmington Hills members. By affirming our vision, our mission, and our values. We will do this as a call and response. My part will be up there and your part will be up on the screen. <clears throat> is my part up there yet? Nope. Okay, there we go. Unity of Farmington Hills is a spiritual community centered in God. We are, that's you, right? Or is it me? It's you. Oh, I'm sorry. It's me still. Never mind. And I helped my husband do this, and I'm tripping him up. Okay, I'll start over. Unity of Farmington Hills is a spiritual community centered in God, gathered together to co-create a loving and compassionate spirit-filled world. Now is your part. We are a loving and vibrant spiritual community. We teach and inspire all to experience joy and abundance and to practice sacred service. It wouldn't be right if I didn't mess up my part. Our mission shapes our today. Our vision prepares us for tomorrow. We prepare for tomorrow when we embrace our values. Together? As unit, we live by these values. We are welcoming. We are spirit-filled. We are diverse. We are loving. We are empowering. Until one is committed, there is a hesitancy, the chance to draw back, always ineffectiveness. Concerning all acts of initiative and creation, there is one elementary truth, the ignorance of which kills countless ideas and splendid plans. That the moment one definitely commits oneself, then providence moves too. A whole stream of events issues from that decision, rising in one's favor and bringing forth all manner of unforeseen incidences meetings and material assistance, which one person could not have even dreamt or imagined them coming true. I invite those who seek to become members of Unity of Farmington Hills to please come forth, <clears throat> and any, or those of you who did become Unity members and you weren't acknowledged, you can, I invite you to come forth and just stand up in front of the altar. <clears throat> okay. All right. Well, I invite those of you who are renewing your commitment to Unity of Farmington Hills to please stand with me. 
Oh, I love it, I love it, I love it. I love it, I love it. <clears throat> we are demonstrating our desire to renew our commitment to Unity of Farmington Hills by standing. Now what I ask is that we all come together in this renewal by stating the affirmation that we will see on the screen. Together, I now make a commitment to Unity of Farmington Hills. As a member, I commit to uphold the vision, mission, and values of the church to experience joy and abundance and to practice sacred service. You may be seated, thank you. I've developed a deep re respect for this couplet by Johann Wolfgang von Gother, Goeth. Whatever you can do, no, whatever you can do or dream you can, begin it. Boldness has genius and power and magic in it. We acknowledge your boldness for recommitting yourselves to Unity of Farmington Hills. I acknowledge your, commit, your boldness for recommitting yourself to Unity of Farmington Hills. And I, uh, going to have to do it this way. I'm going to bless you all with the unity blessing. I love you. I appreciate you. Uh, I forgot the rest of it. I told you. I behold the Christ. Wait, no. It's I love you. I bless you. I appreciate you. And I behold the Christ in you. Thank you. Woo to the we. Oh, I'm not done. Okay. Thank you for your commitment today. <laughs> as, um, as the senior minister here, I am just grateful for all of our commitment and for those of you who came as visitors. Um, we have done a lot since I've got here, gotten here, and you guys did a lot even before I got here, even when the church split. And I am excited to see how much further we're going to go together as a spiritual community, individually in our growth, and as we stand in our service to this spiritual community. If you have not decided to volunteer in whatever way and you feel there's something in your heart that you can share with us, please do so. We would love for you to do so. And if you are already tithing of your time, talent, treasure, and your temple, and your prayers, I thank you from the bottom of my heart. I love you all, and I couldn't be more proud to be, I was trying not to cry, that's why I was being silly, to be the minister at this church. I love you all. I appreciate you all, and I'm grateful for you all. Thank you.
Yeah, you only get one go around Cause the finish line is six feet in the ground In a race you can't win, just slow it down perfect song. I love my music team. I know it's y'all music team too, but I love my music team. Y'all the sweetest band in unity. I'm just saying. I may be biased, but I don't care. <laughs> y'all are really, I love that song. I love that song. <clears throat> huh, I changed because I was being the minister leading the ceremony, but I think this matches better, so I put this one back on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in a silly mood, so if y'all not ready to laugh, you just gonna have to get used to it. I know Sue and Doris are gonna always laugh at me, and Ruth Ann back there too, and Mary will laugh at me. So I got my little gat laughing gang, so I'm cool. So if the rest of y'all don't laugh, that's okay. And then I'm gonna laugh at myself too, so. So we're um, going through, all jokes aside, we're going through this um, book of Revelation. And for me, it's been pretty deep learning more and more about the book of Revelation. And we've started off the first, um, this second segment. The first segment was just the introduction. It was, it was the opening up of Jesus coming to J uh, John in a form of a vision and then the description of how Jesus looked in the, in the vision. And then it goes into the next segment, which is the letter, letter to the seven churches. And the seven churches were churches along the Roman postal route in Asia Minor back then, which would now be considered Western Turkey. We've already looked at Ephesus, which spiritually represents the desires, the desire of our nature, but really it's that desire to know deeper uh, that which is inside of us, to go deeper um, inside and learn more and, and move into a deep uh, relationship with God. It's this part of you that has the, this, this desire to know God. And we talked about how it's similar to how when you first came into unity, you first came into that understanding of acceptance and the teaching of, of unity, unity's teaching, that return, that coming to God. In Ephesus, Jesus was telling them, um, the main lesson was to return to making God your first love, putting God in front of everything. And from that space of putting God in front of, in front of everything you do, making God that focus, we move into the second letter to the church of Smyrna. And Smyrna, we said, represents myrrh. The name of Smyrna, the, the translation or the interpretation of that word is Smyrna, I mean a myrrh, which is a sweet-smelling oil that was used to embalm the bodies. Um, and it also represents that sweet vibra vibration of faith. Jesus was commending Smyrna for staying faithful to him, even when they were under the, the um, persecution and going through poverty and being uh, terrorized. And he told them to keep the faith. And when you keep the faith, you can do anything through Christ who strengthens you. He didn't tell them it's not going to happen. He said you're going to have more trials and tribulations. And that's what he said in the Gospels anyway. But he said if you hold on to your faith, your faith in me as I walked, but even greater than me where I'm pointing to you all to that first love. So it represents the going into the faith of the spirit within. It's your spiritual substance. Charles Fillmore would say that the letter to uh, Ephesus represents speaking to our desire, 
awakening that desire to learn and know and be more of a presence of God. And that Smyrna's letter represents um, Jesus speaking to that spiritual substance within us. There's a spiritual realm within all of us, and when we tap into that total trust, with total trust and total faith, you can do all things. And now we're going to be going into the letter to Pergamum. And as I said last week, these letters are written in a certain order. The first part of the letter, it is written to a specific angel of a specific location, the church of a specific location, and the angel represents the leader of that church. The second part of the letter that Jesus is writing to each one of the churches is it, you see a description of Jesus that was shown in the vision in Ephesus 1 when we read about the vision. Okay, this is going to be in my way, so I'm going to slide it over. I know it's a squirrel moment, y'all. And that's my physical digressing, but I need this space. That feels better. Okay, where was I? I'm just joking. So, yeah, it was a squirrel moment. <laughs> Usually squirrel, I go off on a tangent, but that was a squirrel moment. So, he talks about, he, there's a description in, in Revelation chapter 1, and it's under the title, Vision of the Son of Man. And Jesus is described in, in seven different ways. And so when we read in Ephesus, Jesus was described as the one who walks among the seven lamps. Well, this is the message, is the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand, the one who walks among the seven gold lampstands. And then last week we read his description to, was the, one, the first and the last who was dead but now is alive. And then in Pergamon, we're going to read that next description. And each description that's specifically pulled out from that vision represents the specific thing that Jesus is talking to that church about. That aspect of our consciousness on a spiritual level is what that church represents. The next part that we read is where Jesus share, shares that it commends the churches for something that they are doing that is in alignment with his teachings and with the consciousness of God. And in five of those letters, he is writing in the next part a complaint against them. It might be one or two. It depends on the church. But there's somewhere in their church where they are out of alignment with the presence of God or his teachings, the teachings of Jesus and his life, Jesus' life. And then he shares how to, he uh, encourages them how to realign themselves or he commends them to stay realigned. So last week, he didn't, he didn't um, have a com uh, complaint against them. He told them to stay in your faith. And then the last, two, the last two segments, he says that there is some type of reward you'll get if you go back to realigning. He mentions those who have ears to hear. Let them hear what the Spirit and understand what the Spirit is saying to the churches. And that's just moving us into if you're not in a consciousness of Spirit, you're not going to understand what's being said. And then the last part is a, a, a reward for those who overcome, who realign their consciousness. And so we're going to read through this letter to Pergamum. And as we read through this letter, we're going to dissect it, we're going to go into it. And it's going to be in alignment with my talk. My, the title of my talk is Purifying the Pergamum Consciousness. So let me go ahead and read this. This is in Revelation chapter 2, and it'll be verses 12 through 17. And this is in the New Living Translation. The message to the church in Pergamum. Write this letter to the angel of the church in Pergamum. This is the message from the one with the two-edged sword. I know that you live in the city where Satan has his throne, yet you have remained loyal to me. You refused to deny me even when Antipas, my faithful witness, was martyred among you in, seventh, in Satan's city. But I have a few complaints against you. You tolerate some among you who, whose teaching is like that of Balaam, who showed Balak how to trip up the, Israel, the people of Israel. He taught them to sin by eating food offered to idols and by committing sexual sin. In a similar way, you have some 
Nicolaitans among you, who, who, uh, among you who are following the same teaching. Repent your, of your sins, or I will come to you suddenly and fight against them with the sword of my mouth. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. To everyone who is victorious, I will give some of the manna hidden away in heaven. And I will give to each one a white stone. And on the stone will be engraved a new name that no one understands except the one who receives it. Now this should sound kind of familiar. Because when we do our white stone ceremony, this is the passage of scripture that we use when we're doing our white stone ceremony. And then we go into meditation to bring forth the name that we feel led to write on our stone. But in the context here of Pergamum, Jesus is writing this letter to them to re-encourage them to bring them back into a consciousness of cleansing their church to acknowledge them for the things they are doing. So let's begin this. What's this with the two-edged sword and the uh, Balak and Balaam and all of this? What, what, what's going on? What does all this mean? You know, As you read in this, as I was saying, um, as I've been saying, Jesus is speaking to these people in a way that they would understand, in a language that they would understand. Most of these people who are the first century Christians were Jewish people who converted into Christianity. And so they know about what Jesus is talking about. They know about the persecutions. They know about things like that. And Pergamum was a little uh, area up on a hill. It was um, in, a city, in an area where there was a lot of, um, it was a rich city, a rich area. So they had a lot of richness going on there. They had um, a library with thousands of literature in there. They had temples there. They were a pagan area where they worshiped different temples, uh, I mean different gods, and they also had a temple there that you, people would go to and worship to the god of healing, and they laid them out on the ground, and they put, put snakes around them, and somehow the snakes would heal them or whatever, but there was all this stuff going on. And the emblem for that, the, the figure for that was a, a, a pole with a snake wrapped around it. Does that look, sound familiar? You see that on a lot of ambulances or at medical facilities because they've adopted that pagan emblem, symbol, to represent a sense of healing, a source of healing. Now, this is what's going on during that time. And there are three temples there, three places to, where you are forced to worship the emperor. But the people in Pergamum and in Smyrna and in Ephesus did not. They did not worship. And so Jesus is commending them for doing that. My father told me one time, and this is from his way of think, his way of saying it, that Satan will attack you, won't attack you if you're already going on doing what's not in alignment with God. What that means is that there won't be a real conviction inside of us. There won't be a real sense of um, guilt or anything inside of us if we are of a worldly consciousness. So it won't be any part of you that wants to do any different. You're satisfying your fleshy desires and you're doing what you want to do. But for those of us who are committed to living in the consciousness of God, there's always those temptations there. Always. And they're not just in the outside world. So if you're outside being aware of your behavior and you're really focused on your behavior, you may be in your thoughts judging, criticizing, or having expectations towards people. That's still out of alignment with God. My father would say that when we are living according to God and, and looking on the watch out for Satan, that's what he, he would say, that if you're looking at the front door, he'll creep in the back door. If you're looking at the back door, he'll creep in the front door. Now, I say that to say that in the Old Testament, when Israel was conquering the new, coming into the, conquering the land, when Moses was having them conquer the area, and, the, and we read about Balak, Balaam was a prophet who was hired by Balak 
to come and to, to curse the Israelites so that they would lose the battle against uh, Balak's land, which was Moab. But Balak, I mean, Balaam was really committed to only saying and doing what he was led to say by God. So when he got up to the hills to look over Israel and, and all the army out there, all he could do was bless them. He couldn't curse them because his heart was committed to saying only what God wanted him to say. So he walked away, that he walked away not blessing them, but he gave Balak a strategy to infiltrate them. He said, bring your beautiful women around their men and, their and let their women seduce the men. And the men will go ahead and start marrying them. And now you'll have their traditions infiltrated into and permeating your spiritual traditions. And then they'll start um, sacrificing and eating food from idols. And so that's how you can destroy them because as history goes, every time they go against their covenant to God, God punishes them. So that is when you read in Numbers chapter 22 through, I think, 31, you will he you'll see that. That's what Jesus is referring to here. What has happened is, even though Jesus, his teachings have been followed, and they've been sticking to what they're supposed to be doing, Somehow, they've allowed these teachings to be um, tolerated in their church. And the moment you tolerate something, you're not really accepting it, you're just letting it be, and then you get used to it. And the moment you start getting used to it, now it becomes familiar. And the moment it becomes familiar, it becomes a habitual part of your life. And that's what had happened in the church. So what Jesus is saying here when he's telling them specifically that I am the one with the two-edged sword. He's saying that he is the one with the voice that created, the voice that can deconstruct, the voice that can transform, the voice that can change. But this is the powerful thing. What he's speaking to is our voice within us, toward our own consciousness, our own church, because the church of Pergamum represent church this one here church, uh, Pergamon represents to be tight-knitted to be strong-willed to be connected to be unified but on a spiritual level it represents your intellect so when you intellectualize something and accept it into the fold and you you find a way to intellectualize it to be accepted in your life in your family in your well-being even in your church coming from this intellectual way that is caught up in a human expression, allowing the outer world to be accepted in the inner world of God in our church, then you've infiltrated the church with that. When you use your words in a way that is unloving, you create an unloving energy in the church. When you use your words to fight against each other, that biting and fighting against each other, instead of being conscious of what you say before you say it, you are infiltrating the church. When we allow it to happen, we're being ba Balaam. We're, using, we're letting that strategy infiltrate our church. You guys don't know about arguments that have happened in the church. Maybe some of you do who are around. You don't know about it because it was squelched the moment it started. You don't know about moments when there was conflict and stuff like that happening, because there's someone here who has been talking to the people involved and bringing them to a higher consciousness of the awareness of spirit so that it doesn't continue to happen in the church. This recommitment that you have committed to, and those of you who sat in your seats, I have a feeling that in your hearts you're still committed to Unity of Frampton Hills. And you're committed to using what you learn and what you know and what you understand and living it according to the Christ spirit of it. Not letting something infiltrate you. Well, maybe the benefit, no, no benefit of the doubt. You stick to what you know is the truth, is the truth, is the truth without picking it apart to find something in there, there's a fault. There's no fault in God's truth. 
There only is one power and one presence that's active in this world and in the universe, and that power only wants good for all of us. So the moment you say, well, it wasn't God's will, you have right there infiltrated your consciousness with the two-edged sword and created something that is false. Do you get that? The moment someone says, how are you doing? Well, I'm sick, I'm, 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 I'm broke. I'm, you have used the power of your voice to create something worldly that is out of alignment with God. Do you get that? You are not sick and poor. Your body may be demonstrating it. Your circumstances may be demonstrating it. But as a child of God, you are prosperous, you are whole, you are complete, and you are infinite in the expression of truth. When you think it and don't say it, you're still infiltrating your mind. Does that make sense? So it is important to be aware of what we're thinking in our mind because even when you, when you don't say it with your voice, that two-edged sword is still working. The spirit of your word is still working. So Jesus is saying here that they, you've committed yourself. You haven't turned against me. You haven't denied me in public, but you've allowed those thoughts to infiltrate the church. You've allowed those behaviors, those traditions, those uh, ways of being of the worldly to come into the spiritual. And now once that happens, there's a mixture. And what the Nicolaitans would do, well, you know, it's okay to eat this food that's sacrificed by, to, to idols. It's still food. It's still blessed. You know, you can just eat it. And then they would eat it. You know, it's okay to, to have adultery. But they don't say it's not okay to have adultery with someone else's, you know, to commit adultery like that because back in that time, the wife was considered the husband's property. So you're stealing from the property. I mean, it's not really immoral to do this, this, and that. And when you start questioning things like that, you opened yourself up to let the worldly in. There is no worldly in the absolute. Do you guys get that? And so what Jesus is saying is to turn away from that. Now, Antipas was the leader of that church who was uh, designated by John. John was the last living disciple of Jesus. He was Jesus' best friend. He's the one who's writing these letters. He's the one who Jesus came to in this vision. And Antipas was so committed to Jesus, so committed to the teachings of Jesus, so committed to God, which is where Jesus leads us. Jesus leads you to God. That even when he was put up on a bull-shaped um, altar and it was caught on, put on fire, he was burned inside of it, he still praised God. He still blessed God. No part of him turned away from that first love and the Spirit of God. Those kinds of things were happening back then. Imagine something like that happening to me as your minister. How you feel about me and seeing something like that happening to me or burned at a stake or hung, dragged by horses or what they do here, beat you, knee on my neck because I did not want to change what I'm committed to do in my ministry. Imagine that happening, and then you coming back to church, and there's a threat that if you don't change, the same thing will happen to you. What would keep you committed? Like, you know what's going on with black people and that kind of thing. People were speaking out. I mean, it's the truth. What well, if something happens to me, would you guys still be committed to what we are teaching here, what you feel that I'm teaching here, in your own expression of it with God? Not just because I'm doing it, but because you have your own conviction in your heart of your relationship with God, and I bless it by honoring it and, and giving what God gives to me to feed into you all to be that expression. Imagine that. Would you be committed to your relationship with God? 
That's what Jesus was commending them for doing. Would you allow people to come in and talk stuff that went against what was taught in here? If I weren't here guiding and, and seeking it out and squashing it, would you allow it to happen here? Would you uphold the vision, the mission, and the values that are in here? Like, I'm just asking. Because if you're hurting and there's a threat on you, that if you keep on doing what this church is teaching, you're going to die. Would you keep doing it? That's what Jesus is telling them. People coming in and you hear them talking about certain things that happened and celebrating it here in the church. Things outside in the world and celebrating it here in the church. How would you deal with that? Like, this is real. This is not just this happened 2,000 years ago. This is a real thing that is, is a, happening now. Happening right now. Jesus is saying to recommit to your truth. Dig even deeper into your truth to the point where you sway when they come at you. Where you say the truth, no matter what someone tries to trip you up and say. Like for real. Where you come together and support each other in the truth, in nothing but the truth. You, the whole truth, what is it? You pray, you say, you, you, you vow to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God. And this is the, this is the piece that's powerful. You cannot really tell the whole truth, nothing but the truth, unless God is helping you. And so we all have to be rooted in the truth that is within ourselves in that relationship with God. This is deep, y'all. This is deep. And as a church, we're going to be going deeper. Now, we did something big last year. We raised over five, uh, close to $6,000 for the Equal Justice Initiative. Now, that was a sit back and send in a check kind of thing. But are we ready to get down in the trenches kind of thing? I'm feeling like we're going to be led to do that soon. Not this year, but soon that we'll be participating in other things, like physically participating in other things, and we will get some flack for doing it, for sticking up to the principles that we uphold in this church. I'm willing. For those of you who don't know that I am willing, I am willing to do this, even if it means It'll take my life. I cannot live in this world without my life mattering somehow. I can't. I have to commit and go deeper. And I'm challenging us all to go deeper. And if you're not wanting to be a part of it, that's fine. I know your prayers will be there. I know you'll be there in some other way. But we're, 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 we're being charged to go deeper as a spiritual community, as a church. Do you guys feel it or am I the only one feeling it that we're being led to go a little deeper? To do something a little more. Now Jesus says that when you repent of your sins, you will, be, you will overcome but what's powerful is what repent means. Repent means to acknowledge those areas where we are out of alignment. It means to get in a place where you, well, no, first to identify it, then acknowledge it and apologize for it, make amends for it somehow, but then you change your behavior and bring it back into alignment with the truth. Not just, I'm sorry, and then you go do something else again. And then I'm sorry, ask for forgiveness and go do it again. And then I'm sorry and ask for forgiveness. You really don't want the forgiveness until you actually change the behavior. So wherever in our minds we need to change, we need to acknowledge what needs to be changed, and then find the truth connected to that change. Acknowledge that truth connected to that change. Change your mind and then change your behavior. Does that make sense to everybody? The best way to do it 
is to go inside. God will tell you. God will tell you. That two-edged sword in your own consciousness through your thinking will tell you. will cut to the chase and say, woo-wee. Like I caught myself judging yesterday. Like swerve through traffic. I'm like, what the hey? Ooh, I had to catch myself. I said the hey because there was the other word I wanted to say. But then that wasn't enough catching the what the hey. I needed to shift and stop and come out of that space because I was judging that person and just bless and know that it will be okay. There will be no accidents or whatever. Because the what the A blank, 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 blank came to my mind. That's subtle, but it keeps you in that space which causes road rage. Do you get that? So that's something simple, but it may be something else in your life. I was hearing this one minister speak, and she was saying something about how, you know, somebody might be sitting in a person's seat, and then the next week they don't sit in the person's seat, but the person's still holding a grudge because you sat in my seat, and they look at them side-eyed and stuff. I'm, I'm glad we don't have that at our church where nobody's seats are assigned. It doesn't matter where you sit. But there's other things that you might think may have been your assignment or your thing to do or whatever, and somebody else does it or whatever, and you got to let it go. You got to let it go. There may be other things that go on, or somebody may be saying something, and those four agreements, we're going to do a book on that next year. We're going to work on the four agreements next year. That's some powerful stuff, because we don't got to take personally what somebody says to us. It's something else going on inside of them. And in that book, Terry Cole, Terry Cole Whitaker, What You Think of Me is None of My Business, we got to live that way, too, and stay in our own lane. And then I go even further. I make what God thinks of me my business. Amen. Let's finish this out, y'all. Jesus says, to everyone who is victorious, I will give some manna that is hidden in, away in heaven. Manna is uh, from a spiritual, well, of course, you know about when they were wandering around, when the Israelites were wandering around, the little manna came from the little uh, 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 bread that was kind of like crackers, you know, it was a real thin piece of bread that was on the ground and they'd pick it up and take it with them to eat it. But manna represents the bread of life. The bread of life is the truth that is one with you, that spiritual presence that is one with you. When you move into a space where you truly repent and realign your consciousness with God, you get nourished. You ever get an aha and it made you like, woo, it raised you up. You get a deep aha, and now you're transformed, and you can't go back. There's this part of you that feels high and nourished and uplifted from what you just read and what you just understood. That is the, that is the hidden manna, and the only way to get that is to go into God's truth, to sit into God's truth, to study in God's truth, and then become one and open your mind up to let that truth work in you. If you seek the truth, that's the only thing you really need to do is to seek the truth, the knowledge of God, because God says you shall know the truth, and what else? The truth shall what? set you free. So you wait and let the truth set you free when you go inside and when that truth has set you free, you have received the hidden manna because now you are changed where you can never do what you've done before and you have gone where no man has gone before because that's the first time you have ever gone into that consciousness and from that state of overcoming, a new aspect comes forth in your consciousness. Your consciousness is that white stone. And it frees you. Back in the day when you got a white stone, it was because you had just finished a prison sentence or you paid off a debt, and now you are free, and that was your evidence that you are free. Well, when you step into a consciousness of knowing the truth and you feel liberated by the truth, you're shackled from the human expression, and that is your white stone. Your consciousness now is liberated. And that thing that you are now realizing and understanding for yourself, that's the name on your white stone. So for those of us who did the white stone this year, you are still moving into the consciousness of that. That is your freedom from being shackled to the human realm. And that is your freedom to let God and to let truth awaken in your life. Are you ready to receive that freedom? Nobody. Ah, I see. Like, what is this freedom she's talking about? I want you guys to think, those of you who were a part of the White Stone Ceremony, and those of you who weren't, it's okay. What do you feel that you are mastering this year? I want you to gently close your eyes. And I want you to take a deep breath. And I want you to bring to mind 
what you feel you are mastering this year. And I want you to take another deep breath and breathe into it. And I want you to affirm that you are mastering it. You will say, I am mastering. For me, I'm mastering courage and self-express. So I would say, I am mastering being courageous and self-expressed. Now you go ahead and say, in your mind, I am mastering and, and the rest of whatever it is you're mastering. And let it, feel, let it infiltrate you deeply. Feel it strongly within you. And take another deep breath. And just say out loud, God, thank you for helping me master my new name. Together, God, thank you for helping me master my new name. Say it again. God, thank you for helping me master my new name. Say it again. God, thank you for helping me master my new name. When you said it those three times, keep your eyes closed. When you said it those three times, the sword, that two-edged sword in your mind is mastering, is, is, is fortifying it in you, is activating the spirit of it in you right now. And I'm sending love and light to each and every one of you. Tapping into that which you are mastering right now. And I'm just going to pray over you, thanking God that God is bringing us into a new consciousness that only we will know individually in our own heart. And that as a spiritual community, God is bringing us all together into a new, higher vibration of a consciousness that only those who are part of this church can know and understand. And I'm thanking you, God. I'm thanking you, God. I'm thanking you, God, for this purification of our consciousness that we move from compromising ourselves into a co-promise that as we step into truth even more deeply, your truth is promised to step into us. I promise to step into that truth. Together, I promise to step into that truth. Thank you for letting your truth step into me. Together, thank you for letting your truth step into me. Breathe it in deeply. This is our co-promise, y'all. That's the other part of a compromise. When you do your part and promise to do your part, God's promise is to manifest the truth in your life. We thank you, God. We thank you, God. We thank you, God, for this co-promise and this co-creation as a spiritual community who is committed to co-creating a loving and compassionate spirit-filled world. We're going to say we are committed to co-creating a loving and compassionate spirit-filled world. Together, we are committed to co-creating a loving and compassionate spirit-filled world. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. And so it is. Amen. Thank you so much. <laughs> Think about it. There must be higher love down in the heart or hidden in the stars above. Without it, life is wasted time. Look inside your heart and I'll look inside mine. Things look so bad everywhere. In this whole world, what is fair? We walk blind and we try to see.
Bring me a higher love. Whoa, whoa. I like that part. <laughs> I like the whole thing, but that part I like to get silly with. Oh, my gosh. Let's give him another hand, y'all. I told y'all the baddest church in unity. Woo! Bring to your mind from that higher love state of mind what you feel led. Let's gently close your eyes and bring to mind what you feel led to give for your love offering for today's message. Thanking God, thanking God, thank you, God for the prosperity that you are giving from. And take another deep breath, breathing into that. Woo, with your heart smiling. And let's go ahead and affirm our love offering blessing. If you need to open your eyes, please do so. Together, divine love through me blesses and multiplies all that I am, all that I have, all that I give, and all that I receive. Thank you, God. Amen. Let's stand up so we can do our prayer for protection, and we are going to do our peace song. As you are standing up, whoever it is that stuff is heavy on your heart, I'm just praying for you and knowing that God is right there with you. Whew, that higher love is activated in us all. Let's go ahead and uh, rub your hands together, and let's hold our hands up and out as, we are as if we are blessing each other here and the world as we say our love offering, I mean our prayer for protection. Take a deep breath. And let's say this from the deep spiritual expression of our heart. Move from your head down into your heart, activating that with your two-edged sword, the power of your voice. Together, the light of God surrounds us. The love of God enfolds us. The power of God protects us. The presence of God washes over us. Wherever we are, God is and all is well.
Thank you for listening to this Unity of Farmington Hills podcast. We hope this has encouraged you, inspired you, and uplifted you. If you are unable to attend our Sunday gatherings but would still like to support our spiritual community, visit our giving page, unityfh.com donate.